You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, where we offer you podcasts of the supernatural and the unexplained. Get ready now for Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. As an afterlife investigator, I'm sure you've researched all kinds of things like I have, from the regular things about the afterlife to the kind of strange. And one of the things I came across was a YouTube video called The Afterlife Investigations, The Skull Experiments. Well, I happen to have the book Witnessing the Impossible by Robin Foy. And it follows a journey of Robin and his wife, Sandra, who have investigated psychic phenomena for over 40 years. So the skull experiment had some pretty amazing things happen, and they recorded over a thousand hours of phenomena. They experienced spirit voices, spirit materializations, apports, which are objects appearing out of thin air, They even did an experiment where they had sealed rolls of film, never put into a camera. When they were opened, they had pictures and people's names written on them. I thought today you'd enjoy hearing from Robin Foy himself. Robin, welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. (laughs) Thank you very much. Oh, we're so grateful you're here. So tell us about you and your story. How did it all begin getting interested in the afterlife? Well, I've always had an interest in uh, in ghost stories from being a small child. And my parents indulged me a whole lot at birthdays, Christmas, etc. by buying me books on it. Um, But it always fascinated me. And we always used to have a uh, a, a sort of family uh, joke about various properties probably being haunted. It was something there that was sort of just inherent in me, I think. It was some years before I really got involved in any way, shape or form. I went through uh, a, a career, firstly as a, a pilot in the Royal Air Force, and then into uh, paper manufacturing. At least I was on the selling side of a paper mill, um, selling paper. Um, eventually ending up working for for mills in Finland. Eventually, um, I was beginning to think that I needed to do something in life that might help other people. Mm -hmm. And there was a a, a definite moment um, when I was walking a dog uh, fairly late at night. I just put out the thought um, to nobody in particular that I would like to do something um, to help other people. From that moment on, everything seemed to change. And within about a week or a couple of weeks, there was an advert appeared in a local paper asking for people who were interested in psychic research to get in touch um, with the guy that had written the advert. Well, it was a 
an advert that um, was anonymous. There was no name or anything on there, but who wrote into a box number. And this chap sort of came back and uh, and said, yes, you know, we'd like you to come for an interview. Didn't really know what it was about. It, it was just psychic research, basically. And then when I turned up in this guy's house, he was an American, actually, called Elmer Brown. He'd been running uh, physical circles for a number of years. He was also a very good friend of a chap called Leslie Flint, who's an extremely famous or was an extremely famous uh, medium in the UK. Yes. Uh, physical medium who got independent voice. That is to say, he had voices in the room where we were all sitting that we could converse with and um, that were spirit voices. Uh, and you could hear Leslie talking at the same time as the voices were talking. Incredible. Uh, so, I mean, that was quite an experience. But when I went along for the interviews at his place, we sort of talked about what he was doing and physical mediumship. And he gave me a pretty good idea as to what it was all about. And I was very interested. But there were about 12 people went along for interviews here. Not all of them were sort of admitted into, into the thing. But he did say to us before we left, um, would you like to see the room that... Um, you know, we're going to use for it. And we all said yes, of course. So in a sort of crocodile, we all walked up the stairs. Well, this house that he was living in um, was a good distance from the uh, from the road. It didn't have uh, a house within easy reach either side of it, and there were fields at the back. But as this sort of crocodile with me in it walked up the stairs, uh, everybody there heard the sound of a baby crying. You know, this was a little bit unusual, a little bit unsettling at the time. Sure. Uh, we happened to mention it to uh, to the chap, you know, that I'd heard this. And he simply said, oh, well, maybe it's spirit telling you something, you know, giving you a message. And didn't really think anything more about it. When I got home within a week of going to this place for an interview, there was a, a phone call because my then wife and I had applied to adopt. And uh, we suddenly got a phone call saying, uh, we've got a baby for you. Come and collect. Mm. Uh, so that was my message from spirit and I was sort of hooked after that so I, I got into this first circle uh, and we started to get some some very interesting stuff happening for instance I mean it was a bare room with just sort of chairs around the walls, uh, and there was a record player there the uh, circle leader Elmer Brown sort of changed the records it was held in the dark the chairs were so close to the wall behind uh, that nobody could have got behind them in any way, shape or form. But I think the very first time I went there, I was prodded in the back by solid spirit fingers. Uh, and that really sort of started me off. You know, I, I went on from there. And this chap, as I say, knew Leslie Flint very well. So I had the opportunity within a few months of going with his group to meet Leslie Flint uh, and sit with him. And we had about 15 spirit communicators came and talked with us. Uh, and that was it. I was absolutely hooked 100%. And from that moment onwards, you know, I didn't want to know about anything other than um, physical mediumship and its phenomena. Oh, wow. I, I, absolutely nothing about um, mental mediumship, nothing mm -hmm. at all. Um, but one of the, the sitters in that first group was a, a, a mental medium who served churches. And she actually clued me in a little bit about it. I started off on the physical side and I've done that ever since. Oh, sure. And I'm excited to find out more about the physical side. Can we just back up a little bit to Leslie Flint? I'm just trying to paint a picture. You were sitting in a group. Leslie was there. And isn't it that like an independent voice box would materialize and people would speak 
through that to the audience. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely true. Leslie's mediumship, as it, as are the mediumships in most of the physical mediums that you've known or heard of uh, in the past, are what's known as ectoplasm based, because the spirit world used this substance ectoplasm um, to produce the results. What we did at Skoll was totally different because we were pioneering with our spirit team a brand new way of working uh, that wasn't ectoplasm based, but that was energy based. And all the phenomena that took place at Skoll and the various places in the world where we did demonstrations was done by energy. Our spirit team at Skoll explained to us that there were three energies involved in this. First and foremost, was the energy, the spirit energy that was brought by the spirit team themselves at our sittings from the spirit world. And the second one um, was the spiritual energy of the sitters, which, of course, they only borrowed. They didn't take and and not give us back. Mm -hmm. And the third one was columns of natural earth energy, uh, which is found in, in spirals in certain geographical locations in the world. Add those three together and you get what our spirit team termed creative energy. And this was stored in a glass dome in the room. And when a spirit person, for instance, um, was teleported because they didn't materialize in our sessions, they were teleported quite whole into the room. And you had a whole spirit person who was initially invisible to us, um, but who was able through uh, the mind uh, to mentally increase or decrease the density of their spirit body till it became partially or totally solid so that we then had spirit people with totally solid spirit bodies uh, walking amongst us Uh, and on occasions we had up to eight spirit people in our room at the same time. So it was dark when you conducted these correct? It was indeed but our spirit team were working um, all the time on producing spirit lights so that we could with the aid of these spirit lights, see what was happening from time to time when necessary. But you could also feel them, if you had mentioned... Oh, you could could most certainly feel them. I mean, they were quite 100% solid. Um, But there were occasions when the solidity was only partial. Um, For instance, we did a whole load of demonstrations in Los Angeles, in in California, and San Francisco. Uh, And during those demonstrations, there was one lady with her husband, also actually had a, uh, a circle to um, uh, develop physical phenomena, who came along and who, on, on the occasion, because our spirit team said to uh, several of the sitters, oh, you, you're allowed to touch back if a spirit person touches you. She talked about feeling a spirit hand touching her, and she then sort of felt the spirit hand, felt the sleeve above it. It was exactly the same as any live person. And she felt up the arm, um, higher up the arm, as far as the elbow. The arm stopped at the elbow. There was no more beyond that. So they were able to partially materialize or partially um, transform themselves into a solid spirit. That's absolutely incredible. And were the people that coming through, the spirit people, were any of them relatives? Was it people could recognize, you know, was it? Well, very much so. When when we actually... um, gave um, demonstrations. We had seminars sometimes in the UK um, where maybe up to to 10 or 12 people would join us. And uh, the same when we were demonstrating abroad, of course. During many of those, um, people would have a relative come along and be able to sort of converse with us 
in, in different ways. There were actually five different ways in which we were, we were able to um, speak to spirit um, independently. First and foremost was deep trance, because our two mediums in the group were in deep trance throughout. So they were not able to really see and hear what was going on. But my wife and I saw everything, the whole thousand hours that um, Skoll happened. Uh, and so, you know, we're very, very lucky. And I suppose we're probably the only two people in the world yes. that saw absolutely everything that was going on. But the first uh, method of conversing with spirit, direct communication through deep trance because of the, the trance state they were in and spirit people would speak to them. Now, that wasn't independent at that stage, but we were able to get instructions from our spirit team, members of the spirit team, through the trance. Robin, we have to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to hear more. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network. We're happy to let you know that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows all for free. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. coasttocoastam.com is where you want to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash shades. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, 
the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Robin Foy from the Skull Experiment. Robin, you said the first kind of communication was direct communication through deep trance. What was the next one? Spirit developed what they called extended voice, so that in fact they they um, doubled the sort of um, the length of vocal cords inside the medium, and then extended that voice to various parts of the room. So it sounded as though the voice was coming from various parts of the room, even including inside the walls. And uh, that was quite amazing to hear that. And then, of course, we've got uh, exactly the same as the independent voice that Leslie Flint had, except that it was done in a different way. We always called ours energy voices because the spirit team tried to get us to sort of change the the terminology that was used by physical mediums who were working with ectoplasm. Working with ectoplasm for the medium is quite dangerous, um, but working with the energy as we were, there's absolutely no danger to mediums or sitters through the, the phenomenon that was going on. And if somebody did something stupid, such as switching on a, an electric light in the middle of it all, all that would happen was that the phenomena would stop. Nobody harmed at all, which obviously is very much an advantage. We then had direct voice, but which was coming through uh, a small, cheap tape recorder uh, that we used to play the music in our session. Uh, and the spirit team told us that they were actually using the silicon chip um, to enter into the, that was the, their portal, to get into the um, um, cassette tape recorder to speak to us. Through that method, we had so many people that were able to speak directly um, to relatives and loved ones that they'd lost, speaking through the amplifier of a tape recorder. And then finally, Spirit wanted us to produce a little piece of machinery that would actually allow us to speak not just um, to the spirit world directly, but also to um, uh, dimensions beyond the spirit world. In other words, ETs. It took some months until it really started to work properly but we were able to, uh, to speak um, to various people uh, directly through this. Uh, it was plugged into an amplifier. Uh, and the very first person that gave us a blueprint for this was Thomas Edison himself. And he produced the blueprint on an unopened film, which he signed with initials TAE, his initials. Mm -hmm. When the scientists that sat with us on regular uh, occasions 
compared this with one they got from the Edison Institute in America, the initials when they, that were on the film, when compared with his initials in life, where he'd signed a memo in 1926, they were virtually identical. Actually, when we finally got this little bit of uh, machinery working, the very first person to talk to us was Thomas Edison himself. He spoke to us for over 15 minutes. That's incredible. I just want to ask a couple things. One, you were highly tested by people, very documented. Could you just explain a little bit about that? Because I think to a skeptical mind, you know, it's like, well, what's proving this guy is telling the truth? And I know that you were tested by so many different researchers. We we were, because our our own spirit team were quite happy um, to allow three selected SBR members who were scientists to come and sit with us on a regular basis. Arthur Ellison, who was a professor himself, David Fontana, uh, and there was Monty Keane. They were okayed by Spirit to come along. Well, normally speaking, very, very few physical mediums want uh, anybody from the SPR, the Society for Psychical Research in London, and there's a, a branch of this in, uh, in America, um, to come and sit with them because they're so sceptical. Members are so sceptical that generally speaking, they don't really get to see everything because they can be too um, too sceptical and actually put everybody off. Mm-hmm. But in this fact, these three gentlemen came on a regular basis for over two years and actually wrote a report between them called the Skull Report, which is still available. Uh, and it, it's written in a more scientific way uh, from what they were able to personally observe. Out of everything they observed, It was quite amazing because uh, they came to the conclusion that it was 100% genuine. And consequently, uh, that was the first time for many, many years that members of the SPR had produced a book to back up what they believed was uh, was a very true method of communication. About the uh, photography, that's one of the first things that I had found out. Um, Could you explain a little bit about the unopened rolls of film? And how that happened? Well, we started working um, with ordinary uh, 35 millimeter film in a camera. We brought this into the seance room in, in two cameras to begin with. They were brand new films that had just been put in there. My wife, Sandra, was asked by the spirit team to pick up the camera and take a picture, even though it was in full darkness. So she did this until the film was actually finished. But whilst she was doing that, one of the other cameras levitated by itself, moved around the room and started to take pictures on its own. When these films came back, although they'd been taken in total darkness, we couldn't believe that they were our films but to begin with mm-hmm. um, because there are all sorts of different pictures, scenes from different parts of the world, all sorts of, of different things. We didn't recognise any of them and certainly hadn't taken any of these pictures but Spirit were able to do that. And then that developed because we started to work with uh, films that were not in the camera at all, but were Polaroid films so that we were able to sort them out after the sitting and develop them. These happened purely and simply because we approached Polaroid and asked them what they thought about the other film we produced. They decided that they would back us and they gave us a whole load of very, very expensive films and a little thing that we could use to develop them. And that worked extremely well. And uh, we were were developing these wonderful films 
which had never been out of their shop wrapping. And uh, we, we got films on there, again, all sorts of different things, um, some of which were areas in the spirit world themselves. So it, it was quite an amazing thing. And sometimes there would be images on those films that were four feet long, the length of the whole film. You know, it was quite amazing. But some of the best evidence we got there was with these three scientists from the SPR who sat with us. Uh, I remember I watched not too long ago the film Afterlife Investigations, which is yeah. you can see on YouTube. It's amazing because I don't know if it was someone from the film company itself, but you know, he was explaining that no one has, t these are brand new rolls of film, no one has touched them. And then it went into a small wooden box, I believe, right? And then it, it did indeed, yeah. They, they were locked in there and the scientists would actually hold the box so that they knew nobody could possibly have touched it. I'm thankful to you for your book, Witnessing the Impossible, that you actually put pictures in there because it's one thing for us to talk about it, but it's a whole other thing to see that and to see the initials of Thomas Edison. And oh, it's, it's great. I wanted to ask you too, how, what was the main form of communication between the spirit world and your team besides Edison doing the drawing on the film of a small matchbox size device. Yeah, well, I mean, that was one of the experiments, but mm -hmm. the main form of communication um, through the two mediums who were both in deep trance throughout and spirit people spoke through both of them. And now when you first formed the circle, was it just the four of you? No, we started off with seven. Seven, okay. Um, there was a, one lady from a, a, a local town um, who, who owned a marine engineering business. Uh, and a couple that came from Stansted, where the um, the spiritualist college is. The rest were the two mediums and my wife and myself. And did you have any instructions? Like, how did you know to sit in the dark? And what is the purpose of sitting in the dark? Well, because by that time, we'd, all, we'd already been involved in this for okay. 30 years plus. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was after that oh, long yeah, before yes. you started. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'd both been involved in total now for um, about 44 years. Uh, and at that time, um, we were nearing 30 years. But I'd been involved in other organizations uh, where I'd been able to learn and teach about physical mediumship and its phenomena. And I personally started an organization in 1990 called the Noah's Ark Society um, because particular seance that I'd been to, somebody came through from the spirit world and asked us to start a society um, to rescue physical mediumship and its phenomena. And that's exactly what we did, because in 1990, physical mediumship looked as though it was going to disappear altogether. Most of the people involved, the old mediums, were sort of dying off, as it were, uh, and not many people were sort of developing it along the line. We were charged by spirit, really, to bring it back into the public domain and get people interested. Sandra and I had run many, many home circles of our own and achieved some very good results during those. Plus, of course, we'd gone to other people's circles where they had phenomena and we were able to help and advise. And that's something that we still do uh, when people ask us about how they can do it. Is there a reason they say for darkness? Yeah, absolutely. Um, basically, um, what they say is, is that they are speeding up the process of bringing out human life in a way. So if you think about it, we in our, our uh, own lives are sort of conceived in the dark. We grow in the dark. And w eventually, we're born out into the light. And that's exactly what spirit 
intend to do. It's easier for them to achieve these things in the dark, but we were working with them so that they could actually develop a, a new form of mediumship using energy where they could use the spirit lighting to show absolutely everything that was happening. Would you talk a little bit about the spirit lighting? Because I know that it was mentioned in the afterlife yeah, investigations. Yeah, one of the film, very but... first things that we got, spirit lighting. Uh, I think one of the very first occasions that we actually came across spirit lights was that we had up to 30 spirit lights shot into our central table um, from the air um, and disappeared through the central table, came out from the bottom, and then 30 would sort of shoot out again. So this was one of the first things we heard. Sometimes it could be done. They'd go into the table with a ping. Sometimes they'd do it totally silently. But it started from there. And then as time went on, they were quite amazing aerobatics that they were able to do with these lights. And uh, they started experimenting with different colors of lights as well. We'll be back with more of Robin Foy and the Skull Experiment. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. 
we're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Robin Foy from the Skull Experiment. Now, Robin, you were just talking about the spirit lights that would fill the room. What else were you going to say they were doing with the lights? Um, eventually sort of putting them into the dome, which uh, sat in our central table. And uh, they worked it so that eventually this dome would light up with a spirit light for anything up to two hours or more. Oh, it's incredible. How did you feel? I can't even imagine when you first started witnessing some of this new phenomena sitting there. Well, it, it was quite amazing. I mean, really, wow. you almost had to pinch yourself that you were seeing it. But it was quite 100% genuine. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. And, of course, I've got to the point now where I've been in this for over 40 years where people say to me, well, you know, you've been involved in this 40 years plus. You must believe in life after death now. And I always say to them, no, I don't. And they look at me a bit askance. And I say, well, I know that it goes on. I know that it's genuine. Uh, and there's an awful difference between knowledge and belief. Oh, that's a good distinction to know. Yes, there certainly is. Yeah, there's faith, there's belief, and then there's knowing. Well, that's right. I mean, we, we work with the spirit team, helping them with their development. We used to eventually sort of get sheets of light which would illuminate spirit figures who had been teleported into the room. Not only that, but the spirit team developed the spirit lights so that they could heal people. We saw that the spirit lights were actually going into the body. And uh, we used to get these little spirit lights would actually, I mean, visible to absolutely everybody, but they would shoot into your body. And I was used as a bit of a guinea pig. So that in the early days, one of these spirit lights would shoot into my chest and I could feel it actually fluttering around all around my body inside like a little butterfly or something. And then after five minutes or so, uh, it would shoot out of my arm or something similar to that. And we had a lot of people that had some wonderful healing through that. Again, when we were demonstrating out in California, there was one lady out there who'd sort of been arthritic for many, many years and could hardly walk. And her knees were really clammed up and she couldn't do anything with them. Uh, and she came and sat with us. And one of these little spirit lights went into one of her knees and uh, came out again about five, six minutes later. After that, when she got home, she realized she hadn't got any pain whatsoever left in that knee. And she'd had it for years. So her answer to that was she came back again in another week and sat with us again. And a little spirit light went into her other knee. And, uh, we were all seeing this as it happened. And then it did exactly the same, and she, she lost all the pain from that other knee. And you know now, I mean, this was going back to about 1996, over 20 years later now, and she's still not got any pain. Wow. Robin, when you first sat in these circles, uh, even the skull experiment, does it take time before the phenomena starts happening? 
Yes, it does. I mean, I have to be honest about it. I mean, if you're if you're working with ectoplasm and several of the mediums today are still developing using ectoplasm, mm -hmm. then it can take anything up to 15, 20 years. You've got to be extremely dedicated, extremely committed and very passionate uh, to be able to sit there and develop it. But that's the ectoplasmic way of working. If you're working in a newer way using energy, it starts to develop, generally speaking, within months rather than years. Our spirit team literally dictated for us a basic guide, which many, many people have used since then. It can still be downloaded, uh, and it really gets anybody that wants to start, it goes through absolutely everything. So many people that have taken that guide up and downloaded it uh, are doing extremely well with their phenomena now. For present day to be able to encourage people and give people the tools to start these circles on their own. Um, and I've spoken to people that are in small circles and things are levitating and, and voices are coming out of a trumpet. And, and uh, even a, a fella that I just talked to has put out a Facebook question not too long ago and he's already come up with 300 groups that are small and, and practicing and many of them started with your basic guide. Absolutely, yes. Oh, wow. This is exciting things. But it takes people dedicated, right? And meeting at a, on a regular yeah, basis. I mean, if, you, if you're really going to get into it, you do have to have those three things. Um, you've got to be totally committed and you have to be dedicated to it. And you really have to be passionate and believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And then the sky's the limit. I know it's a very intelligent spirit world. And I'm sure there are members on the spirit team in that realm that are interested in more people experimenting and maybe what else is possible besides what's already been done before. Oh, very, very much so. And I'm sure there are brand new ways of working even now that are, that are happening. And when you think about how fast technology has changed uh, and gone forward over here, you know, on Earth, then, you know, generally speaking, it can be a lot faster in spirit. And I, I think that it's quite possible for absolutely anything to be done. I mean, I, I believe that spirit can do anything they want to do. And they're looking for us to be their partners on this side, I think. Well, that's, that's right. Yeah, I mean, they, they referred to us as ambassadors for the spirit world, which is probably a good way of looking at it. Could you talk a little bit about the video evidence that you have captured? Yeah, that's, that's another aspect, of course is that we started to do video experiments, but sort of working with them, and they produced some very, very good work, but it took a long time. We started off by, uh, by hiring a video camera and didn't really get very far, and then we had a couple of our spirit team members um, who were um, spirit world scientists uh, who came along and suggested ways that we could set up this using mirrors and using two video cameras we got some fantastic stuff in the end on video. I mean, we were actually getting um, animated video pictures of ETs, amongst other things. And, of course, we actually had visits from ETs who were teleported into the, uh, the group on a few occasions. Uh, and that in itself was quite fantastic. But there, there was so much on, on the video camera. I mean, the first video camera we had that we owned was donated by a doctor in Switzerland. Eventually, we were getting these animated pictures again. It took a good two years, really, to get the, uh, the video work, to get it developed sufficiently well for them to be able to do this. Um, but we really did get some very good stuff there. Just incredible. And now can you speak about app ports? I am totally fascinated that something could come <laughs> out of nowhere. 
Well, that, again, that was one of the very first things that we got. Uh, there was an apport of, of a coin called a Churchill crown, which had a picture of Winston Churchill on it. I think they're still around in the UK. And uh, <laughs> I have to think about it because I work in euros over here now. Uh, that was the very first thing we got. It was a Churchill crown and we got it from Spirit. They said, this is to prepare you for something quite wonderful. It's only the start of, of the process that is going to be quite amazing. From our point of view, we had something in the region of 150 apports from uh, different times, all sorts of different things, very small charms for charm bracelets. There was one of a Noah's Ark that was brought for us, I think, because I'd started this Noah's Ark Society. There is another book, which I think you can get from Amazon. I don't know whether you've had that, um, which, which is called In Pursuit of Physical Mediumship. Yep, sitting that's right next to me. Book. Yep, yeah, got right. it. <laughs> I'm a big fan, Robin. <laughs> that's it. And it. That goes into it quite deeply in some of the things that uh, that we had at the beginning. We had all sorts of things, you know, some were little bits of jewellery, um, nothing dramatically um, uh, expensive or important. But one of the things we had, for instance, just to show that they had a sense of humour, was that they brought us one of these seaside postcards, which uh, sort of had a, depicted somebody um, in a seance, and they sort of saying, uh, you know, if you're alive, speak to us. If you're not, then uh, <laughs> then go away. <laughs> but uh, uh, not only that, but we had um, uh, some sacred ash was apported on one occasion, and this we thought might be a little bit like the Vibhuti that people had talked about. One or two of us licked our finger and just uh, put it into the ash and tasted it. We were quite shocked when we discovered it was actually the uh, the ashes of an Indian holy man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but uh, that in itself, and, and also we watching a program on the television before we went down on one occasion. And this was a wildlife program, and they had monkeys in it. When everybody arrived, of course, we turned the television off. We, we went down into the cellar, which is where we held the seances. Mm -hmm. We'd not been there very long and started the, the sitting uh, when there was a big bang on the table that sounded as though a brick had landed on there. And uh, when the lights went on at the end, this was actually a wooden carving about six inches long uh, of a monkey. Uh, so they were telling us that they'd been watching the television with us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That sort of thing, you know, was, was, was quite normal for, for some of the things that came through from there. We had, for instance, some pristine newspapers uh, that looked as though they'd just come off the press that were from the 1940s. Wow. Uh, this, you know, was in the 1990s, and it was wartime newsprint. Mm -hmm. So that if you sort of open them up to the air or, or to the sunlight, within a day they would have gone totally yellow, but they weren't. They, it was in very good condition, this paper. And the three guys who came and sat with us from the SBR actually had a very small bit of this, one of these newspapers uh, sent off to a, an organization uh, that tests paper, an uh, organization called Pyra, Print Industry Research Association. Uh, and they were able to come back and verify that this paper was genuine wartime newsprint which was absolutely unbelievable that all that time later, about 50 years after the war, these things were there looking absolutely perfect. And we put them in um, airtight containers afterwards. Mm -hmm. But within a week, even though they were in air airtight containers, they'd all gone yellow. 
So it, it just simply that proved spectacular. The, the real stuff. Yeah, it's hard to have a skeptical mind, not just a skeptical, but you know how some people say it just can't be true. Can't be. Right. And have yeah. those things happen. I bet uh-huh, there's been quite a few lives changed uh, learning about the skull experiments and even sitting in with some of your group from time to time. That's that's right. I mean, it did it did actually change a few people's lives. Well, when you think of the reality of life after death, it gives questions and could give meaning to what is our life for right now. Well, exactly. Yes, yes. Robin, let's go into our last break now. And when we come back, I'll ask you about what you think life is for. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hey folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing 
fixing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with the one and only Robin Foy from the Skoll Experiment. Robin, you've experienced so much, and I know it really makes a difference in how we live life. Do you have any thoughts of what you think the purpose of life might be? I think that the Earth basically is a schoolroom. You do. Uh, we, we come to learn. We come to sort of get experiences that we need for our onward progression. I would agree. Could you just describe uh, your two books that I have in front of me? Your first is In Pursuit of Physical Mediumship. That, that's right. Now, that, that book basically um, it gives everybody the picture of exactly what happened with me, how I got into it, mm-hmm. uh, my early interests, some of the circles that we, we've been involved in, Sandra and I, um, over the years that we've been married, and uh, the early part of the Skull Experiment, um, how it came about, who was involved, etc., Really, it's a, it's a bit of a sort of psychic uh, autobiography in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other book, The Skull Experiment, was written totally differently um, because it's the only book uh, that is completely true and by people that witnessed absolutely everything that was involved in there. So that it's got a description of every sitting that we had. This is Witnessing the Impossible you're speaking That's of. Correct, yeah. Okay, okay. Witnessing the Impossible. And it's a big book. But very, it's... very heavy. Very heavy. And you send that. Are you mailing those from Spain? Is that how that's No, they're going out from the UK. I've got an agent who sends them out for me. Yes, because I know that it's not uh, on Amazon. It's something that I ordered directly from your website. I'm really excited about this because it's like, what's possible? And, And I think... Like you folks did with the Skull Experiment, doing something more modern, uh, getting involved with physical mediumship and what's possible even now. And I think there's so many people that don't even know that any of this happened, don't know of the existence of it, might have heard some stories from the, you know, the early days of physical mediumship. But the fact that if you have a passion for it now and you're dedicated and you set the time aside, who knows what's possible? I mean, Any, anything is possible. That's absolutely true. And I think that perhaps when this um, uh, big movie comes out, sort of um, full screen movie, as we think it might be, um, then it's going to uh, teach an awful lot more to other people about what is possible. Let's talk about the movie. There's a movie being created right now, correct? That's correct. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Will you let us know a, a little bit of, about that? It's I mean, being, being written by, um, by two people who wrote the four, first book about our experiments, um, called the Skull Experiment. Uh, that's Grant and Jane uh, Solomon. Uh, and that book is, is obviously, that's available as well. Not from us, but that can come through uh, Amazon. And uh, they're also sort of working, um, writing it, along with um, a, a big screen um, producer. So it's not all that far along yet, but the point is that the, the project has started and it looks as though it's going to happen. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, let's talk about your website, Physical Mediumship for You. What is yeah. that about? 
Well, basically, um, it, it's purely and simply um, trying to bring people together. I mean, there's now more than 3,000 members on there. I've run it since uh, I think I started in 2009. Great. Uh, and uh, it, it's really trying to bring people together that are interested. Several of the members on there already run circles, and several of the people on there are, are really quite interested in it. So we're trying to sort of bring a lot of information and education to people through that. It's a free site. Uh, it doesn't cost anything to join. There are an awful lot of pictures on there. Many of those are posted by members. Mm -hmm to do with all aspects of um, physical mediumship and the phenomena that comes from that. Yeah, it's nice to have a home to be able to see what other people are doing, share your experiences, being new, even knowing about physical mediumship. I had some questions. Well, how do you start a circle? And then all of a sudden, how did <laughs> I was led to your website by whatever invisible force and I downloaded well, go, a yeah. basic guide and then next thing I know I found myself on physical mediumship for you and I, I joined that site not that I've done any experimentation or anything but just to see that there is a community of people anyone so. could get I mean, involved some of the members on there are themselves very good physical mediums um, I've got an extremely good friend in Germany mm -hmm. uh, who is a superb physical medium he works um, basically with uh, ectoplasm, um, but I've got a feeling that it's probably his mediumship's probably a mixture now of ectoplasm and energy, uh, and I don't think it's quite as dangerous as it used to be in the old days. That's so a big he is deal. working now with some scientists in Switzerland um, mm. to try and help them with their investigations. And I think that the uh, spirit are working more and more to bring the spirit lighting and develop the spirit lighting that will allow people to witness these things. Mm. Is there anything I should have asked you that I have not or anything else you want to share, Robin? Um, I don't think there's anything at all much there. I mean, we had levitation um, sort of as, as well. I mean, there were just so many different things that um, could be added to, to the stuff that we did. One of the things that you might find exciting um, for your listeners uh, are the um, percussion phenomena and the musical phenomena that, uh, that we got our friend Dr. Hans Scher in Switzerland has a, a thinker out on the island of Ibiza uh, and we went there to demonstrate the skull experiment in the very early days. That was our first overseas trip with it. He was very much a, a musician. He had um, a, a trumpet with him, he always does. Not the seance trumpet, uh, that's the musical trumpet. Uh, when he goes out to stay in his thinker or, or his villa, out in uh, Ibiza, and uh, he asked us when we had a session there, could he put a trumpet on the table in front of him? And uh, the spirit team said, yes, no problem. Couldn't guarantee that anything would happen, um, but he did that, and in fact took off the mouthpiece so nobody could stand there and, and make that noise through mm -hmm. it. But uh, spirit did actually achieve what he was hoping for uh, and made some really loud blasts on the trumpet. Uh, and that was the first time that, that had sort of happened. Uh, and then this chap himself, Hans Scher, uh, we went to stay in his Swiss home on one occasion, did some demonstrations for the Swiss people. And uh, he had what was known as a music cellar, or he called a music cellar, where he had about 40 different instruments, including uh, two full drum sets. And uh, when we had those sittings there, on two occasions the spirit team were able to play virtually every instrument in the room 
and several of them at the same time, including the two drum sets that were both being played by spirit drummers wow. at the same time. That was absolutely amazing. I can't even imagine the look on your face <laughs> to experience <laughs> all that happening at once. We were wow. just quite amazed because a few people that he'd invited to his sittings were totally new to it. And to see their faces at the end and see what they'd made of it was quite amazing. Oh, wow. That's great. Oh, I did have a question. In a basic guide, you talk about the dome. Is that what it's called? The glass yes. dome? Yeah. That is important to have at your, when starting this to capture energy. Is that correct? If you're working with energy, yes, that would that's a okay. very good thing to have, yes. Okay. I'm just thinking of, because uh, I read that and I thought, hmm, but it makes sense. It's not, it's not always vital. Okay. Um, it can be done. It, it can be done without, but generally speaking, spirit would use that dome to store the creative energy. Okay, I really appreciate the knowledge in a basic guide because it really was my question. This is all well and good, but how would one get started? And lo and behold, I found it <laughs> in your <laughs> basic guide. I thought oh, somebody's listening yeah. to my questions. <laughs> they certainly are. Well, Robin, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being our guest today. You're very welcome. Oh, this is so exciting for me. It really is. I mean, mental mediumship is great. Don't get me wrong. People can come through through a medium and and things, but there's to me there's nothing like being a part of things happening, whether it's levitations or seeing things fly around the room or having a voice coming out of nowhere that's a voice of a loved one. And if we can encourage and and train people, passionate people to do this. And you start witnessing these things yourself. I mean, you go from that believing to knowing that the that's afterlife exa- is real. That's exactly it. And uh, as I said earlier, you know, sort of 44 years uh, has changed belief to knowledge for me. My biggest dream for everyone listening right now would be to go from that hope to faith to believing to knowing that the afterlife is real, to really knowing in your heart of hearts because of experiences you've had that your loved ones live on. So if you've got a pen handy, or you can press the rewind button, certainly, here's some websites to find out more about Robin. The best one to reach him at and find out what he is currently up to is through the Spiritual Science Founders Association. So the website for that is ssf-robin-foy.com. Also, you can find out more at theskolexperiment.com. And last, for the interactive one with all the members and seeing pictures, you can go to physicalmediumshipforyou.ning.com. The four is a, the number four, and the U is the letter U. As incredible as this conversation was with Robin and the things he's witnessed over the years, I have very slowly throughout the last 50 some odd episodes of Shades of the Afterlife been trying to drop in bits about physical mediumship. You may remember on an earlier episode learning about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle giving up writing Sherlock Holmes because of physical mediumship. Also, Dan Aykroyd, who wrote the movie Ghostbusters, the foundation of learning 
about the afterlife was with his great-grandfather's investigations into spiritualism and seances. So there were so many people of scientific minds back in the late 1800s to early 1900s that were very much involved with this. And I haven't told you yet about some of my personal stories, but I promise I will. You've heard Scott Milligan on this show before, speaking in trance. Scott is also one of the world's leading physical mediums. I have plenty more stories in store for you. Our home base is wedontdie.com, and you can attend one of our free Sunday gatherings or our online courses and so much more. I'm Sandra Champlain, and from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And if you like this episode of Shades of the Afterlife, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.